You are listening to the Teaching Little Brains podcast with Sarah Nickerook, episode 21. Hello, Teacher Brain. How are you feeling today? My hope is that you're feeling a little lighter, a little freer, because school is out for summer and we need to celebrate. We all know by now how good uh, that is for our brains. And if you don't know that, after this, swing over to episode one and find out. But yesterday was the last day of school, here in Ontario anyway, of the 2019-2020 school year, the infamous 2019-2020 school year. And what a year it was. So let's celebrate. Whatever that may mean to you. So it could be like a quick couple of shoulder pumps, a jumping up and down with your arms in the air, woo woo, a clapping of your hands, a glass or bottle of wine, um, ice cream for dinner, buying something for yourself you've wanted for a while, a family dance party, whatever. Just congratulations. You made it and you deserve to celebrate. That was quite a school year. Incidentally, knowing how important celebrating is, um, something that's is it's something that's really upped my productivity and my overall mood is ensuring that I celebrate on a regular basis, which means literally scheduling it into like scheduling in my celebrations into my calendar. So in episode 19, I talked about deciding in advance, responding versus reacting. And so I have adopted that practice with celebration. So here's a little hack for you. Decide in advance what you're going to celebrate and when, especially if you're someone who, like me, tends not to celebrate some of the quote unquote little things, maybe like you feel they're not worth celebrating or you feel like braggy or silly celebrating those trivial little things because they might be things that you're like quote unquote supposed to do and it just seems weird. But let me tell you, this has improved my energy, productivity, and overall mood planning in these celebrations, which are which are all positive things, I think. So I wanted to share that with you. And I started small and like ridiculous. Like <laughs> when I empty the dishwasher, I'll have a 10 second dance party. So But the trick is you have to like embody the feeling of celebration. What does it feel like to you? So for example, to me, it's like a giddy, excited, jumpy, buzzy in my head kind of feeling. So I'll smile or giggle. I can't sit still. My arms go up. I want to dance and hug and jump. So I empty the dishwasher. I tap into the feeling. And to do that, sometimes like I'll imagine that I found like a hundred bucks in my pocket to like initiate that feeling. Because um, where do our feelings come from? You know this, our thoughts. Yes. And who creates your thoughts? You do. So I come up with a thought that brings on the desired feeling. And then I do the celebration I had chosen in advance. And if this seems a bit contrived. It kind of is in the beginning, but we're building a habit one step at a time. And eventually it's much more natural and easy. Now I just kind of celebrate everything. (laughs) So so whenever I check something like off my to-do list, although I have a different system now um, that I've learned in my neural coaching course, I have a planned celebration for it. And it's not always different. It could just be, you know, the shoulder pump or the the little kind of twist (laughs) 
dance twist um, on the spot. It's not always different. It's not always big, but I do something. So sometimes like the check mark or erasing it from the whiteboard is enough. Like I take a second, I smile to myself. Awesome, Sarah, you're one step closer to your goal. And I give myself like a mental high five. Done. Uh, it's enough to fire off those healthy and beneficial brain chemicals, and it motivates me to keep going. Now, obviously, maybe you're going to have uh, bigger celebration activities for bigger events. For example, um, I'm about to progress into the master level of my neuro coaching certification, and we're going to have a virtual party for that. Um, Zoe just graduated, quote unquote, kindergarten and had a virtual moving up ceremony, they called it, with her classmates and teachers. And we put decorations out and we did some photos and we made a big deal of it. It's important. So it's important for your brain. Um, you may celebrate like Christmas or Eid or Hanukkah or Ramadan, and those celebrations can go on for days or weeks even and can be much more elaborate than a few shoulder pumps for emptying the dishwasher, but you get the idea. Okay, so moving on to today's topic, love. Something on now to celebrate is pride. June is pride month in places all around the world and people are celebrating. We, um, Pride commemorates the riots held by members of the LGBTQ2+, and I hope I have got that acronym right, my apologies if I'm, I missed something, um, community against the police raid that took place in, uh, at Stonewall, at the Stonewall Inn in New York City on June 28th, 1969, because those riots were kind of a tipping point for the, the gay liberation movement in the United States. So all around the world, people celebrate. We have rainbow flags, elaborate costumes and parades, events, music, dancing, street parties. We celebrate pride um, in who we are. We celebrate pride in who we love. And to me, there is nothing more worthy of celebrating than love. Love is the ultimate vibration. Love creates a cascade of physical and emotional benefits. It vibrates throughout the entire body. It lifts our spirits, our mental capacity, our physical health, our connection to others, our environment and the universe or whatever form of divine being you subscribe to. And cellularly and energetically speaking, it is our base foundation. Our core root vibration as human beings is love. Um, and this has recently been scanned and studied. Like they can actually measure this, which is super interesting. And remember um, a couple episodes back, we talked about there being two core emotions, love and fear. And fear is really just the absence of love. So when I'm talking about love, I mean all like love, gratitude, happiness, all the things that are associated with love. But getting down to the root of it, love is the true vibration. And when you are in the true vibration of love, you cannot be at the same time resentful, anxious, greedy, angry, stressed, competitive, guilty, shameful, or fearful at the same time. So they're mutually exclusive. Love is an emotion of abundance 
and all those other ones are emotions of lack and fear. Um, so have you ever felt like your heart and had a mind of its own? Like, because the heart is where we, we connect love. We, we connect love with our heart as humans. So if you've ever felt like your heart has a mind of its own, like maybe you're, you're drawn to people or situations or things and you're not really sure why. Um, sometimes we hear things like the heart wants what it wants and we have like this little sympathetic chuckle. But did you know that the heart actually does have a mind of its own? It has its own brain. Yeah, a heart brain, it's sometimes called. So thanks to my brain crush, Dr. Joe Dispenza's book, Being Supernatural, I learned about the discovery of the brain heart um, that happened in 1991 by an MD PhD named J. Andrew Armour. And he found that with around 40,000 neurons, the heart has a nervous system that functions independently of the brain. And that led to an entirely new field of science called neurocardiology. And listen, if you're not fascinated by all of this, I'm sorry <laughs> that I go into this, but I think this is just the coolest thing in my mind and heart, I guess. I mean, I, I can feel it pumping harder when I learn. It's so excitement. Um, and I think, uh, I also think that our students will find this fascinating too. I mean, I hope so. Anyway. What's more, our heart brain is connected to our head brain through ascending, meaning going up from the heart to the head, and descending, going down to the heart from the head, pathways. And these pathways, it has been recently discovered, not only link to our subconscious brain, but to our prefrontal cortex, our thinking brain, our conscious brain. Let that sink in for a second. Your thinking conscious head brain is literally physically connected to another brain in your heart. What? So what is the relevance of that? Well, signals and information are continually being transmitted along these pathways between your head and heart, like, like all the time. So 90% of the pathways ascend, which means the information and signals are transmitted from the heart to the head through the vagus nerve, which is like this really important cranial nerve that I won't get into here, but it's like super important. Um, and they continue straight to the thalamus, which is the area of the brain responsible for operations like thinking, perceiving, uh, and understanding language. And then they go to the frontal lobe responsible for motor functions and problem solving and the amygdala, <laughs> which is our survival center that signals our emotional memory and the core cells of the amygdala even synchronized to the heart's beating. Like This is insane. So in short, the more heart-centered you are, the less likely you will react to stressors in your life. But the reverse is also true. So the less energy you have in your heart center, the more likely you'll be living in survival mode. So obviously, the heart-based emotions play an important role in the way we think, process information, feel, and understand the world. And the symbiosis, symbiosis, symbiosis of heart, brain, and head brain 
is referred to as coherence. So when they're in sync, they're coherent. And when we are in coherence or heart coherence, it's sometimes called, our brain and heart waves match. And we are then in an elevated state of being, like love. And that gets into like some quantum physics and we're talking about entering the quantum field, which is super cool, but I won't get into it right now. So let, but let's review a bit of what we know about thoughts and feelings from here. So every thought you have or you think produces an emotion through chemistry in the brain and or heart. And then you are only suggestible to the thoughts that equal your emotional state. So remember we learned about the reticular activating system, your brain's filter or bodyguard, who only lets in that which aligns with what you already think, feel, and or believe. And it's the combination of thought and feeling that when repeated over time, gets automated into your subconscious to run on autopilot so that you don't have to use energy to think about those things all the time. And that forms your beliefs, which together build your identity. And from there, you make your decisions and your actions, which get your results. And most of that, 80 to 90%, happens without you having to think about it from your subconscious. So think about the results you want, the new future that you desire. And it's those heart-centered emotions that are the key to opening the door to that future through the subconscious mind so that you can program your brain to allow in only the thoughts and feelings that align with that desired future. And I'm not sure if I've said this directly here on the podcast or not, but it's in my my daily brain priming script um, and on my vision board, but you are the creator of your life. You are 100% in control of your success, 100% in control of your happiness, and 100% in control of your thoughts, feelings, actions, and results. And whether you know or believe it or not, you are creating your life with every thought. If your thoughts are in the energy of abundance, love, and freedom, that is the future you create. If your thoughts come from a place of fear or lack, that's what you'll create. So either way, your thoughts are creating your future. So now we also talked about willpower, I believe, in episode 20, the last episode, I think. Um, You cannot outwill or outperform your subconscious. It is the eternal champion of survivor. (laughs) Survivor. Um, You know, outwit, outplay, outlast. You can't beat it. Um, It is literally wired for survival. So if you have been trying to think positively or practice gratitude or do daily affirmations, but you aren't really feeling the things that you're affirming, then you're missing the key piece to the puzzle, the emotion. It cannot happen without it. So if your affirmation is like, I am abundant, but you're coming from a feeling of lack, and here's a red flag that it's coming from a place of lack. If you're thinking like, why isn't this working? I've been doing this for days, or I just want it to work, or you're like feeling desperation or anxiety, and you're like all clenched about it, and you think you need it, then that's not abundance. 
When you come from a place of lack, you can think I am abundant all you want, but your thought will never get past the brainstem because it's doesn't it's not connected with a feeling that that will bind together. Remember the belief comes from the the thought and feeling combination. So your brain that thought will never get past the brainstem and so you won't signal the feeling that creates the coherence or charges the energy necessary to make the change. It's only when you change your energy that you can produce more consistent effects. And next week, um, I'll share with you a way that you can clear things out in terms of energy and truly create space for the new wonderful future of abundance that you desire and will tap into the emotions necessary to create it. And in my coaching programs, we go deep into this and get to the root of it all. Um, and I, I set you up with the neural path <laughs> um, with the brain-based method that works. But when you intentionally choose and practice feeling the elevated emotions of the heart and truly tap into those authentic feelings, you can move closer and closer to the you that you want to be because you are innately and naturally choosing love. And then your actions reflect that love, which creates the results that you want. Then you can start to elevate those around you. So imagine a classroom full of emotionally elevated little human beings. That's the classroom, school, system, world that I am working to help create. Last night, Brian and I watched uh, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. It's the Tom Hanks movie about Mr. Rogers. Now, talk about someone living in the vibration of love. Wow. <laughs> if you watched this movie or watched Mr. Rogers or know who he is, get on it. <laughs> Mr. Rogers truly saw people. He listened to children. He valued them for the beings that they are, not the future people we project them to be sometimes, the consumers they will grow into. He was completely present with people. He made them feel important. He embodied unconditional love, which is an independent choice, by the way. How you feel about anyone has nothing to do with them at all. It is all about the thoughts that you have, which create the feelings that you have. So you have the freedom, power, and will to love whomever you want, regardless of who they are, what they do, or how they feel about you even. Isn't that freeing? Anyway, Mr. Rogers taught kids about forgiveness, another thing that is only about you, not anyone else, and helped kids work through um, heavy emotions and difficult human experiences like death, war, terrorism, racism. I mean, we sure could use them now during COVID. Um, but in the movie, uh, when remarked by the reporter Lloyd, um, so Lloyd said, people line up to tell you their problems. Isn't that? And, and uh, Mr. Rogers remarked, isn't that wonderful? Such bravery. And the reporter, like, is total pessimist. And he's like, so he pushed and he said, it must be quite a burden on you. He's trying to find holes in Mr. Rogers' character, basically. He wants to, like, he's got this negative, you know, slant to everything. And so he... um keeps pushing and trying to find, you know, the catch. So he says, yeah, people line up to tell you their problems. And Mr. Rogers says, isn't it wonderful? Such bravery. And then Lloyd says, it must be quite a burden on you. And Mr. Rogers replied, 
I'm so grateful for your compassion. <laughs> like that is living in unconditional love. He also invited, invited Lloyd, the reporter, to join him in taking one minute of silence to think of all the people who, quote, loved him into being. So I think that this is an invitation that I would like to extend to you right now. So will you take one minute of silence with me to bring to mind all the people who loved, who love you into being, whatever that means to you. So that's just how he put it. Whatever you take that to mean, love you into being. Let's do that together before we sign off. So one minute. Thank you for joining me in that. And thank you for joining me here today. As always, I hope I've given you something to think about and, or some things to think about and uh, to consider in the context of your teaching as well. Um, speaking of which, happy official start to summer, teachers. Happy pride, everybody. Wave the flags, experience the love, and celebrate. And uh, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Uh, when it comes to podcasting, I really have no idea what I'm doing. I mean, yes, I'm now 21 episodes in, but I still don't really have it all down. So I would really appreciate your taking a moment to rate and review this podcast. Um, if you have any feedback and maybe share it with some people, spread the love. Thank you so much and love you all. You've been listening to the Teaching Little Brains podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Nickrack. Until next week, bye for now.